secret sin west your bones. When I kept silent, that is, I finished committing sin, I did not confess it, I didn't talk about it, I acted like everything is okay, I continued in my pastoring work, I kept silent, my bone wasted away through my groanings all day long. That is, I was crushed. I was dying in silence. Whoever conceals his sin does not prosper. <laughs> when the Bible is saying does not prosper, God is saying that I've done review on the lives of people that always hide their sin. And this is always the repercussion. They do not always prosper. The sin will make sure you are not prospering. It's like putting a rat where there is fish. The rat that is in there will make sure that you don't have fish. So the sin that you regard, you respect so much and you hide, will make sure you don't prosper. That's what the Bible says. Sin is like being wounded. You can't run fast with it. There are very many of you that started with you that today they have fainted on the road. Not because the grace of God was not with them, but they refuse to acknowledge that they are wounded and need help. Psalm 69 verse 5. God, you know every sin I've committed. My life is a wide open book before you. That's why the prayer of a sinner is an abomination before God. Because you are coming and what he's seeing is the reading of your book. Many people are hiding their sins and you are going on long prayer or fasting. Your prayers are not effective if you haven't confessed your sins. Hiding your sin is a big deal before God. The Bible mentions sin and said, All liars, warmongers, the unbelieving. And when he was done mentioning all of them, he said they will have their part in the lake of fire that burned with brimstone. When they call for sinners to appear so that they can be taken to hell, they don't need to mention your name. They just call the sin. When they call fornication, every fornicator is a slave to fornication. That is why when Jesus went to the cross, he became sin. So the moment Jesus became fornication, you now have power to do without fornication because it kills the sin on the source. So you that was hanging on it, you have the right to let go. When you have seen before God, your sin will find you out. The judgment of God is going to be upon the sin. God is going to be angry with the sin. So when God will be judging fornication, fornication will go and look for his colleagues and find them out. They can't punish me and not punish you. Sin brings sickness and brings death. 
goodness bring good health. Is it that you committed the sin and hide it? Or you are 
what the Bible is calling regarding a sin. That is, you have respected the sin so much that you don't want to expose it. That is to say, the sin is in progress, but you have not let it go. God is assuring you that you're not going to prosper. I was talking to somebody within the week, and I showed him the scripture. I said, if you don't want to walk and you don't prosper, don't hide sin. Don't hide it. The sin will make sure you are not prospering. It's like putting a rat where there is fish. The rat that is in there will make sure that you don't have fish. So the sin that you regard, you respect so much and you hide, will make sure you don't prosper. That's what the Bible says. Some people finish committing sin and they say, well, God has forgiven me. Well, God has not. He has not. Go and confess. There are some sins that you don't need forgiveness alone. You need healing process. Or you need recovery process. In a church, if we suspend somebody, you go to restoration class. Go there and recover yourself. Sin is like being wounded. You can't run fast with it. It's like you being shot. And you are in the army. War is going on and you are being wounded. You are shot. You can't run as though you don't have wounds. I don't know if I'm talking to somebody. You cannot be a player and you are wounded and you run. No matter how you pretend, you can't run as though you don't have wounds. You can't play like you don't have wounds. It's a serious injury that you have to be treated before you can walk well. So confession of sin is when you go and say, this is the injury I've gotten. I want to be back on field. I need help. Do you understand what I'm saying? If you find somebody have an injury and is still playing ball, it's not a serious one. Whether you are C. Ronaldo, when you have injury, you drop. They substitute you. Any units you were working with, they remove you, substitute you. They treat you well and put you back. Or they do a real work on you. It's not a joke. See, this is a danger. If you run as though nothing is happening, you are going to get weary and fall off. And the destruction will be greater than how you would have faith. You understand? It's like you are wounded and you are bleeding and you are running. You keep running. Apart from the wound, you don't lose blood. You faint on the road. There are very many of you that started with you that today they have fainted on the road. Not because the grace of God was not with them, but they refuse to acknowledge that they are wounded and need help. For those of you who go to 15 minutes church, the church that they run one hour, 30 minutes, and the pastor preaches for 15 minutes, things like this cannot be taught in 15 minutes. Forget. Don't say you have finished hearing what I just said. It has not entered yet. Don't say you have finished hearing it. He hasn't entered yet. When you go back, get the message again. Listen to it. You will not prosper. You will find other people prospering in ministry. You cannot go anywhere. You will never make it. I was talking to my leading pastor. I said, I cannot commit sin and come and pretend and preach on this pulpit. I cannot. The way I'm strict with you is not compared to how the Holy Spirit is strict with me. If I let you know how the Holy Spirit is strict with me, it's more than how I'm strict with you. I finish committing sin and come here and preach like nothing happened. I don't have that strength. You just see me carry my microphone and sit down here and be crying till service is over. 
anybody who hides his sin will not prosper. Are you seeing this for the first time? If you are seeing this for the first time, let me see your hand lifted up. Yeah. Or you are hearing it powerfully like this for the first time before. For those of you who are lifting up your hand, this is not the first time this thing is written in the Bible. It was there before I was born. Solomon is regarded as the wisest man. One of the things that makes him wise is that he knows. He has mysteries at his fingertips. If you meet somebody who plays coupon, he would tell you that in 1982, <laughs> Aston Villa played draw with Chelsea. In 1972, Manchester United played draw with Liverpool. And so in this match, it's going to be draw. <laughs> Listen to what the wise man is telling you. He's saying, He that covereth his sins shall not prosper. The people I love most in this church, pastor, not the people who are sinless, no. the people who said, I'm sorry, this is what I did. And tell me, with how ugly the sin is, the admiration I have for them is so great. Because I know they'll go far. They'll prosper. But for the other one that is wounded and is acting like everything is okay, jog well, no, I'm jogging well. Is that how they jog? I'm jogging well. Nothing is wrong in me. I'm jogging well. You will soon get it hot. He that covered his sin will not prosper. A child of God committed sin and you're covering it up. You hide. You guys, I don't know the kind of conscience you people have or where you bought it. I don't know. <laughs> There's a conscience you have and I ask what kind of Holy Spirit you have. Somebody in our church, one of our pastors, somebody I love so much, finished telling me about the sin she committed. And I prayed for her. I told her, you are forgiven. When she left and reached the road, the Holy Spirit told her, that was you and your pastor. Go back to the church. She gave a testimony of salvation that she saved, whereas she was not. So later on, she confessed to me that that was a lie, that she had fallen into immorality. I prayed for her. I said, don't try that again. And God told her, go back to the pulpit. Go and tell everybody you were lying. The next Sunday, she wrote, as it, because if she had told me, I would have said, I said, I've forgiven you. Go and sit down. She wrote testimony, and she came out and testified how God delivered her from accidents, delivered her from very many things, and now said, uh-huh, and now, <laughs> remember what I told you last Sunday? I almost froze at the front seat. She said, when I left, I finished talking to my father. The Holy Spirit said, that's not enough. Go back. So I came to say I was lying. May God forgive me. Conscience, a clean heart. There's a heart that God does not resist. A clean heart. David said, my heart cannot behold iniquity. He can't keep iniquity. He can't watch iniquity and have a picture of it. Oh God. Number two. Secret sin wastes your bones. It wastes your bones. Psalm chapter 32 verse 3 to 5. When I kept silent, my bone wasted away. 
through my groaning all day long. For the day and for the night, your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. But when I kept silence, look at what happened to my bone. <laughs> when I kept silence, that is, I finished committing sin, I did not confess it, I didn't talk about it, I acted like everything is okay, I continued my pastoring work, I kept silent, my bone wasted away through my groanings all day long. That is, I was crushed. I was consistently crushed. I was decaying. So when he's talking about my bones wasted away, he's talking about I was perishing. I was dying in silence. You know, people feel that it is only the body that decays. But this one is even talking about the bones. You know, when somebody dies, the flesh decays. It takes years for the bones to also decay. This one said, no. Even while I was walking, coming to church, my bone perished. It started decaying. It started wasting away. I was mourning all day long. Give me next verse. For day and night, your hand was heavy on me. Your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. My strength was taken away from me. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity I said I will confess my transgression to the Lord <laughs> <laughs> and I said I will confess suddenly the pressure was gone oh thank you Jesus my guilt was dissolved my sin disappeared all along the sin was heavy there I feel like preaching. All along, the sin was heavy. He said, my bone was wasting. You find me walking, I was dead. I was wasting away. Have you committed sin and you have not confessed? And it looks like the whole world is against you. He said, the hand of God was heavy on me. I was groaning all night. I didn't know what to do. Give me again from verse 3. When I kept it, all inside. That is, it's not between me and God. It's between me and God. It's not, it's the person not joining with God. It's between me and God. It's, it's God that knows what I... I'll give you a few minutes to sing a worship song. And the only song you remember. You look past my sin. He doesn't look past him. My sin, my guilt, and for your love. You look beyond me, yo. There are songs people sing, and you know they are struggling in sin. The moment they are done with that, Daddy, where they pop? Daddy, where they play? Forever, you're my savior. When you find anybody who said, Jesus has forgiven your sin yesterday, today's sin and the sin in future, run, he will impregnate you and run away. Let's go back to the scripture. When I came, it all inside. My bone turns to powder. My word became day-long groans. My word was not powerful again. Give me the next one. 
the pressure never let up. All the juice of my life dried up. All the anointing dried up. The juice of my life. When people see you, the juice they receive when you speak dried up. Your words now become like a kai kai. The juice of my life dried up. Give me the next verse. Then I let it all out. I said, I'll make a clean breath of my failure to God. Suddenly, the pressure was gone. My guilt dissolved. My sin disappeared. Let me give you a very wonderful example. I want to use somebody I love so much. In something that does not even look very big. Stanley, come I think she was in year two. She had a church she was worshipping in her village or whatever. So all of a sudden, she worshipped with us year one, year two. So year two, I didn't see her in church again. So I was inquiring, why are you not in church and all of that and all of that. And she said that the pastor in her old church is not comfortable with refiner's theory. All these new churches, I don't know what they are preaching, but that the man would be comfortable if she is going to chapel. The chapel is just chapel. No doctrine in church. It's just anybody come there preach the gospel. So I now gave her a CD of mine. I said, go and give to the pastor. Is it, what is it, a CD? Okay. Go and give to the pastor. Let him listen to my message. If the pastor listens to my message, he'll be the one to tell you to be coming to the church. She took the CD and did not give to the man and came back to me. This was year two. Was it year two? She went and did not give the man and came back and told me that the man loved the message so much. The man was so blessed. The message moved the man. That the man said he should worship there. He has approved the church. I was like, wow. Four years after, she had an encounter with Jesus. She had graduated from school. She had gone back. She had an encounter with Jesus. The Holy Spirit spoke to her. And she was restless. She came all the way from Ikorikwene down to my house. Nails down, crying. I said, what's the matter? I said, there's something I want to tell you. I said, what's the matter? He said, I told you the man collected the CD. He did not. When she was crying, I thought it was a big sin. Do you understand what I'm saying? I thought she had either killed me when she was in year two or something. You understand? There's how somebody's crying. He said, what did you do? Did you kill me? Am I dead? Start pinching yourself. He says, why you're crying? He said, the Holy Spirit will not let me rest until I tell you it was a lie. When I heard that, I knew that what she has is the Holy Spirit. Something as simple Oh, Jesus. Another person that shocked me like that was Pastor Vivian. I entered the church. I said, was this thing done? I mentioned, was it done? I said, yes, daddy. It was done. Yes. And I said, okay, no problem. I moved. I was doing other things. So when I finished service, she stood at my office. I said, what's the problem? She said, daddy, please, I want to tell you something. What's the matter? I'm sorry, I have a confession. What's the confession? When I said it was done, it was not done yet. It was not done yet, but the way you shouted, I didn't want to face your vengeance. It was after I said it was done that I went and did it. But the Holy Spirit wouldn't let me. 
I said, you are forgiven. She was kneeling down crying. I said, is that all? She said, yes. That's all. She said, yes. I said, stand up. You are forgiven. Tell him I've forgiven you. And the moment that happened, it looks like they are pouring you. Have you walked under the sun before? And you reach your house and you open pure water and pour on your body. You feel refreshed. Somebody is saying, my own, I don't even know where I should start from. My sins are always before me. That's what somebody is saying. Number three. Your sin stands before God. People who hide their sins. Number three. Your sins. The stains of your sins. Are always before God. God doesn't see you. He sees your sin. Wasted bones. May you not have a wasted bones in Jesus' name. Dried juice. Yeah, I'm dried up. Jeremiah chapter 2 verse 22. Alright, this is what it says. No amount of soap or lye can make you clean. I still see the stain of your guilt. I, the sovereign Lord, have spoken. <laughs> no amount of soap or hypo can make you clean. I still see your guilt. In other words, no amount of suit and packaging. No amount of suit. No amount of office you are holding in church covers you up. I still see. I still see. No amount of tongue. Hey! You'll be shouting, hey, and another person will be scared around you. And you love them in tongues. Go, 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 go. No amount of suit. No amount of dressing covers you up. God is saying, I'm still seeing your stains. Give me any of the wonderful translations of the world. Scrub using the strongest soap. Scrub your sin raw. The sin grease wounds come out. I can't stand. So even look at you. God's decree. The master's decree. Scrub it. Keep scrubbing. Do you know what scrubbing means? I praise the Lord, everybody. Is it nobody is really righteous? You're scrubbing. Is that scrub? You know, everybody, you see, for all have seen. See, let me tell you something. Don't let anybody judge you. Pastor James posted something online. Somebody went and fell into the pit. The guy said, nobody told him that that was a pit. They said, no, we told you, you were saying we should not judge you. You said that nobody should judge you. That's why we left you to fall in your pits. Don't judge me is a new grammar people use in committing sin. And some Christians will even be saying, ah, well, I'm not judging you before they even say something. The Bible said the righteous man judges all things. God said we should judge you. God said I should judge you. The Bible said a righteous man judges all things. He himself is not judged of anyone. Even if you wash with the strongest soup, 
I would still see the stain of your guilt. Still see. Do you get what I'm saying? The stain stands before God. Number four, God will reveal. Alright, you can find that in Luke chapter 12 from verse 2 to 3. Alright. For there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed. Neither hid that shall not be known. How many of you know that God is the one who always makes them catch you? Are you aware that God is always the one that makes people catch you? Because sometimes you're wondering how you were caught with how much you didn't want it to be out. Why God made you to be caught is that he loves you so much. So he wants you to be caught so that you can retrieve your steps and return back. Do you understand? Yes. For there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed. There's nothing. When they catch a thief in Africa, he said that that's his first time. They are always caught on first time. As I was just about to steal for the first time, you just catch me. So, one of the things that God is telling us is that for everyone who is living in secret sin, it will be revealed one day. The other one before this one talks about that is before God. So when God gets tired of you, it reveals you. And the problem is that there are sins you commit and at your stage, it's not really bad. It's not really a shame that brings more reproach. So if you cannot be able to deal with that sin and you grow into being a very famous bishop. Let me even tell you something. Most of you did not observe. Let me tell you what happened here. Do you know that while I was still preaching to you, do you know something very wonderful happened in this place and you didn't know? An ant fell down from that side and fell down there. Do you know it happened? An ant fell down. Just fell down. Does it attract anybody's attention? No. Because what? It's too small to be noticed. Sometimes you just wear a bomb shot and walk around the junction. Too small to be noticed. But by the time you grow with that sin and refuse to deal with it, and now become like a lizard, small lizard. If lizard falls here, boom. Everybody turns. Imagine if somebody was climbing this place and he falls down. Boom. There are sin that you need to deal with. If not, the fall is going to become louder as you keep growing. Do you understand? Yeah. So God is reminding you that what you are hiding, I'm soon going to expose you. I'm soon going to expose you. Keep hiding. Two persons that your sin cannot be hidden from is God and the devil. The devil sees you when you sin. God sees you when you sin. Every other person that you are trying to be hypocritical with don't have reward for you or punishment. If you can even commit sin and hide it from God and Satan, it will be better. Be looking for method to do that. Because we that you are even hiding from, oh, we don't have any reward for you. Do you understand? Alright, so the Bible says there is nothing covered. So when you move into a man's house and close the door, you see any of our judgment bags? No. Put my slippers inside. Lock it, lock it, lock it. Don't lock the door. Off the light. Now off the light. Cover blanket. There is nothing covered that shall not 
be revealed. One day all the church members will watch your sin before God and they will say, alright, let's play now. I said, Jesus, I beg, let's... Can, can we talk in private? Jesus, can we, can we speak in private? There's, there's something I want to say. God said, no, 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 no. Let's play it here. Please, around at my 20 to 21 years, I want it to be on forward. They said, no, 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 no. Play it. They play. Be joking. Psalm 69, verse 5. Psalm 69, verse 5. Quickly, quickly, quickly. Let's get it. Take me by the hand. Lead me. Walk with me, cause I need you more and more. Oh God, thou knowest my foolishness. And my sin are not hid from thee. God, you know my foolishness. And my sin is not hidden from thee. You are always aware of my foolishness. God, you know every sin I've committed. My life is a wide open book before you. Page one, masturbation. That's the chapter one of your life. Two, my fornication, my masturbation, my pornography, my stealing life, my hookup life, my sex chat life. My unseriousness with God. My pride. My lateness to church. My disloyalty. Disloyalty one. Disloyalty two. Disloyalty three. My rebellion. So whenever you are standing before God, what God is seeing is this one. That's why the prayer of a sinner is an abomination before God. Because you are coming... And what he's seeing is the reading of your book. You are a full book before God. The name of the book is your name. So the book is called Happiness. Happiness Frank. Have you read the book Happiness Frank? It's written before God. God has a book. He opens it. At the back, about the author. <laughs> Evangelist English. <laughs> about the author. You see, they are about the author. You are not the one who's writing it. God is the one writing it. This guy was a hypocrite, deceiving everybody that he's a child of God. Yes, his book doesn't tell well of him. Read and be blessed. <laughs> Next one. You'll be blessed with this one. Confession brings forgiveness. Confession brings forgiveness. I'll give you this right now. First John chapter 1 from verse 8 to 9. The B part says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us and purify us from all unrighteousness. He's able to forgive us and purify us from every unrighteousness. So, confession of sin brings forgiveness. It brings forgiveness. The next one, it brings purification. 
It brings purification, confession of sin. People come in and say, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I, I'm, I've been an hypocrite. I want God to help me. This is how I have been. Pastor, I need help. This is what I'm going through. It brings forgiveness. It brings purification. Confessing your sin and forsaking them. Am I preaching? Yeah. All right. Confession brings healing. Confession makes your prayers effective. James chapter 5 verse 16. Therefore confess your sin to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. That the prayer of somebody whose sins have been forgiven is powerful and effective. Many people are hiding their sins and you are going on long prayer or fasting and you think your prayer has to be answered. Your prayer is not effective. Your fasting is not effective. Your prayers are not effective if you haven't confessed your sins. Your prayers are not effective. So no matter how you pray louder, hey, it doesn't make your prayer effective. When you're living in sin, secret sin, I don't know what you can pray about. Your prayers are not effective at all. So you are just praying to yourself. After you are done praying, you better answer yourself because it's not effective before God. Would you love to pray and your prayer is not effective? How many of you would love to pray and your prayer is not effective at all? It's not going anywhere. That's what it means. How many people would love to pray and your prayer is effective? It's working. Would you love to lay hands on somebody and the person receive healing? How to get that done is to have your sins forgiven. Do you understand? If you have sins that you have regarded so much that you don't really want to let them go, you are hiding the sin, you have hindered your prayer from being effective. If you steal my phone, don't go and tell God to forgive you. He is not the owner. I am the owner of the phone. Meet me. I'm sorry, sir. I don't know how you're going to treat me now. But <laughs> see that your phone that got missing? I stole it. I sold it. Even if you turn me upside down, it may not come out. The Bible says when you do that, the first thing that will happen to you is that you will be healed. You will receive healing. And after that, what else will happen to you? From the time you become righteous, your prayers start becoming effective. May your prayers be effective. After you have confessed your sins. Unless your sins are confessed. No way. A pastor called me some time ago. He's not even a pastor in our church. Called me and was talking to me that he has so many things he wanted to tell me. I said, what is it? He said, when I was living in your house, I stole your wristwatch. I said, my wristwatch has never missed before. He said, the wristwatch was an old wristwatch that I did not use it again. But he just took it without telling me. And the Holy Spirit said, go and confess. I said, tell him I've forgiven you. He says, Pastor, now I have peace. Things that doesn't look too much before you, they are mighty things before God. It is a full chapter in your book before the Lord. A full chapter. Most of you, you have a full chapter in your book before God. The stolen Bible. 
stolen pen. A full chapter. Do you know what makes a pastor's prayer effective? Pastor just lay hands in the name of Jesus. Receive healing. Sins are forgiven. And you now pray. Has something happened before and you could gather six people to cast out demons? It did not work. And you now call the pastor on the phone. Daddy, where are you? He said, I'm at Korabasi. Please just pray for us. One girl is manifesting. We are trying. We are six of us. She doesn't want to. And you now gather around for a prayer on phone. The prayer on phone now makes sense. More than the six people gathering to cast out bind demons when sins are not forgiven. Let me shock you. Some people got sick in my house. About eight people got sick in my house. So I was angry because my wife woke me up that morning and said, everybody's sick in this house. My wife knows how to talk to me like she's talking to God. Everybody's sick in this house. What are we going to do? Did they ask God? Everybody's sick in this house. So I now say, call blessing for me. She's sick. Call her wife for me. Also sick. Tell her sick house to see me now. Sick also. So I said, let them gather all the sick people in the parlor. All the sick people. Tell them they should buy one Coke and get a bread. Then we pray for them. So we gathered together. I prayed for them for healing and I told them to eat. And later on I told them, I said, do you know what causes sickness? They said they don't know. I said, unconfessed sins. Sins. Sin brings sickness and brings death. Righteousness brings good health. So I prayed for all of them. The next day, there were eight. Seven got healed. Next day, one. Don't know what sin she did not be able to confess. I was up to her. But the day after that day, she got fine too. Have you come to me with your problems before? Have you told me about somebody who is sick before? Was the prayer I prayed long? No, I don't have time to pray long prayers. Praying long prayers for people that their sins are not forgiven. I don't mean personal prayers. There are demonstrative prayers and there are prayers of incubation. There are prayers we pray for ourselves. It has to be long. There are prayers where we are praying to solve issues. If you tell me you are sick now, I just say you receive it in Jesus' name. And you'll be closing your eyes. Amen. And thinking that the prayer has not finished. Before you now open your eyes, I've gone. I just get healed in Jesus' name. Say amen. That's how simple it is. Because the prayer of a person that his sins are forgiven is very effective. Why you are dragging it and making it too long is that the sins are not forgiven. Your prayers are not effective. You are good to hide something. They will catch you something red-handed. They catch you red-handed. There are some people that the only thing they confess is what they have been caught. And they confess to the level they have been caught. We saw her with five grand knots in her hand. It was just five that I took. And then I'll check and remove another one. It was six that I took. You will not prosper. You will not go far. Anytime you gather wells and gather, your sin will come and scatter them. Your prayers are not going to be effective. You can't pray an effective prayer. You can't finish praying and have an effective prayer. Sins 
that are not forgiven hinders your prayer from being effective. Do you know what it means for your prayer not to be effective? Do you know that we pray when things are pressing? Money cannot solve it. That's when we need prayers more. I have seen pastors who have so much money, but members are running away from their church. They don't like coming. What will make prayers effective when your sins are forgiven? God asked us to run away from secret sins. God commanded us to run away from secret sins. Ephesians chapter 5, from verse 11 to 13. Ephesians chapter 5, from verse 11 to 13. Has nothing to do with fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. What is fruitless deeds of darkness? Hidden sins, sins that you are doing hiddenly. The Bible calls it fruitless deeds of darkness. Your secret sins are fruitless sins of darkness. If you even hide the sin of your brother, you won't prosper too. You know this sister, and you know this sister is living in sin. Just because you want to maintain a good friendship with the sister, and you are hiding her sin, you won't prosper too, she won't prosper too. Yeah. So the Bible says, have nothing to do with fruitless deeds of darkness. Always let people know that, Charlie, this thing that you're doing, I'm going to report it to Papa. I have nothing to do with fruitless deeds of darkness. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Don't have anything to do with fruitless deeds of darkness. Fruitless. That is what you are doing. There's no fruit. Fruitless deeds of darkness. The Bible says, don't have any business to do with fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. I have some radical people that will bring somebody to me and say, Papa, please, uh, there's something I want to tell you about her. <laughs> um, uh, well, she has a mouth. Let her talk to you. Let her talk to you about it. Let her, you, you say your story. And the Bible said, Daddy, it was, it was on, on Thursday as, as we were walking on the road. The other guy was, came and spanked my nyash. And, he said, say all, say all. Don't have anything to do with fruitless deeds of darkness. Because when God sees you have a fruitless deed of darkness with a person, he calls you an accomplice. You are now associated with the person's sin. You are now an associate sinner. An assistant sinner. You are helping somebody to commit sin. It means that you do not hate iniquity. Because Hebrews chapter 1 verse 9, the rule was that you should love righteousness and also hate iniquity. For you to be anointed, you must love righteousness and hate iniquity. If you love righteousness and do not hate iniquity, you are not qualified to be anointed. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has said, you above your colleagues, your companions, by anointing you with the oil of gladness, the oil of joy. Because you have hated sin and love righteousness, all your people that were ordained alongside with you, God says this, I'm going to anoint you above all of them. Oh, what a blessing. What a word. Do you get what I'm saying? 
For you have loved righteousness. Can I have King James? Thou hast loved righteousness and thou hast hated iniquity. Therefore God, even thy God, had anointed thee with the oil of gladness above your fellow, above your companions. Why is God ordaining you and making you better than your companions? Talk to me. Is it because you pray too much? Why is God ordaining you above your companion? Because you have love, righteousness, and do what? And have real hatred for sin. Zestah. Most of you, your rooms is a stadium for fornication. You don't really carry women, but other people that are stranded, they, they call on you. And you answer them. And show them great and mighty things that they do not know. When you go to the house, check on top of the this thing, you will see the key. When you are done, clean up the house. No, as a child of God, I can't let you be stranded. May the Lord bless you with an oil of gladness. May the Lord anoint you above your fellows. As you are going to hate iniquity and love righteousness. Give me an NLC version. You love justice and hate evil. Therefore, O oh God, your God has anointed you, pouring out the oil of joy on you more than anyone else. The more I hate iniquity, the more anointed I become. The more I hate sin, the more anointed I become. Is it this message is not for people who said, when I finish committing the sin, I will tell God to forgive me. I know God is a God of mercy. It will not anoint you because he always forgives your sin. That is just it. If you want to go and steal somebody's property like this, you are moving like this to go and steal somebody's eyeglass. And as you just pick, the owner sees it. What will you do? <laughs> I wanted to rearrange it and keep for you. You will just leave it. My point is that God sees your sin already. So don't do it again. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 13. Nothing in the whole world is hidden before God. Everything is uncovered. And he, they lay bare before the eyes of him. Whom you must give account. Whom we must give account. Okay, that's a similar scripture to the other one. Nothing is hidden before God. It is always open to him that we will give an account to. All right. All right. All right. The next one is that hiding your sin is a big deal before God. Hiding your sin is a big deal before God. It's not a small thing. It's not a very minor thing. You know, some people can say, that one is just minor now. It's a big deal before God. You can find that in Job chapter 31 from verse 33 to 40. If I covered my transgression as Adam by hiding my iniquity in my bosom, did I fear a great multitude or did the contempt of families terrify me that I kept silent and went not out of the door? Let me explain what that means. If I cover my transgression like Adam, you see the problem Adam had? Adam had a bigger problem when he covered the sin. 
You should even be looking for God to come for you to go and tell God, please, I'm sorry I have sinned against you. I want you to forgive me, dear Lord. I'm sorry. Here am I. Forgive me. But all of a sudden, you now become a seamstress and a tailor. You sew pinafore and cover up the sin. So the Bible says, Job was talking and said, If I covered my transgression as Adam by hiding my iniquity in my bosom, that is, I hide the sin without anybody knowing it, I'm able to cover it up from somebody knowing it. He said, What will that mean? Did I fear the great multitude? It was saying, why should I hide my sin like Adam in my bosom? Am I afraid of the great multitude? So for Job, confessing your sin even in the whole church was not a problem. Why should I hide it? Am I afraid of the whole multitude? Or am I trying to cover and protect my family name? So it wouldn't look like there is no virgin again in our family. Why should I hide it? You know, most of you, your mother is a very big deaconess. Very big deaconess. People even want to marry you because of how deaconess your mother is. They don't know. They don't know what you've done to them. Let's keep going. There's something we have to learn. Okay. And the fear of the public disgrace. Am I afraid of the public disgrace? So for Job... Public disgrace, multitude, family name is not a thing to him. He's not interested. He doesn't cover sin so that, oh, what would people say? My reputation is not important to him. Public disgrace, everybody, how people would see him, is not important with him. He'd rather have a relationship with God than have a good relationship with everybody else. So this is it. And the fear of the public disgrace never forced me to keep silence about what I had done. The fear of the public and what the public will say has never been the reason why I keep quiet concerning what I have done. It has never been a reason. Do you understand what I'm saying? I want to be closer so I can be bolder, bolder, bolder Cause What's wrong with your voice? Take me closer Don't wanna be far Far Sin 
that is not forgiven is what the devil will use to find you out. I've used this analogy many times and I want to use it again. Or let's not even talk about being born again because most times you deceive yourself that you're born again and you're still living in sin. Revelation. The Bible mentions sin and said all liars, warmongers, the unbelieving. And when he was done mentioning all of them, he said they will have their part in the lake of fire that burned with brimstone. When they call for sinners to appear so that they can be taken to hell, they don't need to mention your name. They just call the sin. When they call fornication, every fornicator is a slave to fornication. When they call lie, all the liars are slaves to lie. Am I talking to somebody? When they call hedge, every hedges. That is why when Jesus went to the cross, he became sin. So the moment Jesus became fornication, you now have power to do without fornication because it kills the sin on the source. So you that was hanging on it, you have the right to let go. So when you have seen before God, your sin will find you out. So when God will be judging, because the judgment of God is going to be upon the sin. God is going to be angry with the sin. So when God will be judging fornication, fornication will go and look for his colleagues and find them out. They can't punish me and not punish you. Am I talking to somebody? They can't punish me and not punish you. This is the normal illustration I've been making. When police is arresting somebody, are you aware that police don't arrest people naked? They wanted to arrest one guy. The guy ran to our backyard some years ago. People surrounded. More than 20 to 30 people were there. While they were trying to drag him, the guy was tearing his clothes. And said, if you arrest me, nobody will come and remove me. Tear his clothes and became stuck naked. And they couldn't arrest him naked. I've also seen a guy that wanted to arrest. He was naked. He removed his clothes and was naked. And the wife used to sell granite oil. Carried the granite oil, poured all over his body. So when the police catch him, he was slippery. How do police arrest? Especially if you're from my country. They hold you like this. If they hold you like this, when they draw like this, you are following. That's how they arrest in my country. On the last day, when God holds sin and drags sin to hell, whoever is in sin, like this guy now is in the trouser. Am I touching him? No. I'm not touching him. But if I drag the trouser, whosoever is in the trouser, Take me by the hand. Take me by the hand. Lead me. Walk with me. Cause I need you more. Take me by the hand. Take me 
Lord, we love you. Lord, we love you. If you are here, you want to give your life to Jesus. Let your hands be lifted above your head. You're here, you want to give your life to Jesus. Or you've backslided and you want a resurrection. Lift up your hands above your head. I'm going to pray for you right now. I shouldn't beg you to do this. You need resurrection. I'm praying for you right now. You need resurrection. Whosoever believe in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. What does it mean to perish? To decay. How do things decay when they are buried on the ground? If your hands are lifted up, you want restoration, you want resurrection, I'm going to pray for you now. The Spirit of the Lord is just by your side. It's just by your side. Lord, I've seen hands lifted up. I'm praying for resurrection. I'm praying for upliftment. I'm praying for revival. I'm praying for forgiveness. I'm praying for a new page. I'm praying for strength. I'm praying for life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Receive strength. People that are giving their life to Jesus, put your hand on your chest. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Be my Lord and be my Savior. Forgive me of my sin, Lord. Make me your child. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.